Father, we thank you for this morning, and we thank you for the opportunity to gather once again as your people and praise your name, Father. Lord, I pray that this morning we would see how our praises can come to you in great joy over what you have done for us and what you are doing for us now. So, Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit. You give us eyes to see and ears to hear what you have for us and that we would return a praise to you in joy, Father. So we pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Jared Jenkins here at Risen Life Church, and uh, I'm, I'm really glad to be with you guys this morning. We're going to talk about joy this morning, as you heard, and, and really there is nothing more joyful than kids dancing around, right? Sometimes when our family gets a little uh, down in the mouth, we turn on some music and we throw a little dance party. Not because I necessarily like to dance, but it brings a lot of joy into, into our room, and um, so it's just good to see the kids dancing. And last night and Friday night, I hope all of you were able to come take a part of our the Christmas concert we had, it, it was just a good time. I mean, these guys did such an amazing uh, job that it, it brought a lot of joy to my heart as I think about the Christmas season uh, and everything that's going on. And really, this whole season is meant to bring about joy, right? Anticipation as we think about the coming Christmas day from the presents to the, the family to the fun to the food. All of it is meant to bring us joy as we celebrate Christ's birth, and that's what we're doing today in our Advent series as we continue uh, to look at what happens when God enters our world, right? That's what we're looking at when Christ comes in. Christ being born as a baby, His life and death on the cross to save us, to bring us into a relationship with God, that through the gospel we get to experience real peace, real hope real love, and real joy. That's what we've been focusing on these weeks. And so as we look at joy this week, we're going to frame our discussion from Psalm 126. Okay, It's a short psalm, and, and really it breaks down into two parts. It talks about remembering what God has done, or joy relived, and then it anticipates what God will do, even in the midst of life, or joy reclaimed. Okay. So I was looking at joy this week. There's a, there's a great C.S. Lewis quote that kind of goes along with this. He says, all joy reminds. Okay, It's never a possession. It's always a desire for something longer ago or further away or still about to be. And I think that sums up what this psalm says in these two aspects. Looking back at what God has done in Christ and looking forward to what He will do in Christ and how we can live in joy, that the joy that God provides right now, even in the midst of life, okay? So if you would, open up to Psalm 126, and I'll read the whole thing here. It's short, and then we will um, look at the two different parts. Here's what it says. This is a song of ascents. It says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion... We were like those who dream, that our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue was shouts of joy. Then they said among the great nations, the Lord has done great things for them. 
The Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. So let's jump right in here and look at verses 1 through 3, or joy relived, remembering what God has done. I'm sure you're like me, you have a lot of memories in your mind, and when you look back on them, you think of just the good things God has done for you. One of those for me was uh, uh, my wedding day and really the week previous, celebrating with my friends what, what God had done to bring me and my wife together. It's just a good memory, right? Good day, things that, that I thought would never actually happen in my life. Here they are. And I knew that God had done such good things to bring us together. Or even simpler things like this summer, we, got, we were in Florida on vacation and we took our kids uh, to the Kennedy Space Center and we had like the best day ever, right? You know how those days can go. They can either be the worst day ever or the best day ever. One of those days where the kids were good, everybody's happy, nobody complains, you get the good parking spot, right? You get to the end of the day and you're just like looking at each other with a smile on your face like, I don't even understand how good this is right now right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you have done. All the good that God has done in my life. They just bring a smile to your face. And I think this is exactly what the psalmist is speaking about here when he's looking back at what God has done. Again, verses 1 and 2, he says, when the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream." Then our mouth was filled with laughter, and our tongues with shouts of joy. In other words, they couldn't contain their happiness. It was like they were in a dream. I can't believe how good this is. We just started laughing, shouting for joy. It's kind of like last Monday, two or two Mondays ago now, after we got 50 inches of snow in the mountains, you know what me and my buddies did? We went skiing. And... It was about 6.30 in the morning, right, and we're skiing down in powder almost up to our waist, and we're just hooting and hollering and giggling like a bunch of little kids, right? Just joy. That's the feeling that's going on here. And yet the psalmist is focused on what God has done for him. See, the Lord had restored the fortunes of Zion. Most likely this psalm is a reflection on the fact of how the Lord had brought Israel back from exile. They had been destroyed by the Babylonians and taken to Babylon for 70 years. And then in the most impossible way, God, out of the blue, brings His people back to the land after 70 years. They've been looking forward to what God will do for 70 years. And they walk into Jerusalem, and it's like, it's like we're in a dream. We're back home. This, this is Jerusalem. Here's the temple. We're here. This is something we've longed for for so long. All they could do was smile and laugh, shout for the goodness of the Lord. 
what we see in this psalm is that lasting, real joy is first to be found in what God has done for us. Starts with including ourselves in the salvation that Christ has accomplished on the cross, and it extends to even all the good things that God just gives us, gives to us out of His blessings. As we celebrate Christmas, we we look back on God's most significant saving act in history. That was the coming of Christ to live, to die, to raise from the dead on our behalf. When God entered our world to save us. Luke 2.10 records the angels appearing to the shepherds. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Christmas message is one of great joy. And this is why. The message of the Bible is that in Adam, man rebelled against God and he sinned. And since Adam, man's essential nature was changed. That we're now all born with a sin nature and it's in our nature to sin. And as soon as we can, we will. That's why Ephesians 2.3 says that we all live in the passions of the body and the mind and are by nature children of wrath, just like the rest of mankind. In other words, from birth, we're sinners and we sin as soon as we can. And because of that, we deserve and are under God's wrath. He will punish us for our sin. And yet God, because of His great love for us, He, did, he didn't leave us there. In fact, that's what Ephesians goes on to say in the very next verses. 2, 4, and 5 says this, But God, being rich in mercy, because of His great love for which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. The long-awaited Christ came, long-anticipated, prophesied about for years and thousands of years. God in human flesh to take care of our sin problem so that we could once again be in relationship with God. That's how Jesus saves us. Jesus came and lived the perfect, righteous life. Jesus came and then died the death we deserve on the cross for our sin. Though Jesus committed no sin, God laid on Him our sins. He took our place. And then Jesus, after dying, raises from the grave to prove that He is who He says He was. He is God in the flesh and that God is pleased with His sacrifice for us. And now Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, currently interceding on our behalf. And to accept salvation that Jesus offers, He tells us that we confess with our mouths that He is Lord. We repent of our sin and believe in our hearts that God raised Him from the dead and we will be saved. See, in that moment, you take your sins to the foot of the cross, and you give them to Christ, and in exchange, He gives you His righteousness, His perfect life. And now God sees you as if you have led the perfect life. 
you're now able to be in the presence of God and have a relationship with Him. And that is a good message that should bring us great joy. The birth of Jesus and what Jesus did on the cross reminds us that we are loved by God. We are not forgotten by God. We are accepted by God in Christ. We have a friend in God. We are cared for by God. And we have a hope and a future in God. And that brings joy. Real joy is found first in what God has done for us. And I know that many of you can look back and remember God entering your life and transforming your life. I asked Jesus into my life when I was three years old. You can believe that. My mom shared the gospel with me, and I said, Mom, that sounds like a good idea. I want to go to heaven, right? I want to be a follower of Jesus. Little did I know what I was doing. (laughs) And I can look back at all the ways that Jesus has saved me on the front end from falling into grave sin. He's been with me. He's taught me to walk in His ways. He's provided for me. The gospel has brought me joy. I can look at the work of God in my life and I can say like the psalmist in Psalm 92.4, For you, O Lord, have made me glad by your work. At the works of your hands I sing for joy. And many of you can look back in the same ways and think how God has transformed your life. How He stepped in, transformed your life. I think one of the there's several cool ways that the cross brings us joy in our life. And I want to look at a few of those here as as we kind of continue and think back on what God has done in Christ. Firstly, I think when we look at the gospel and when we include ourselves in Christ, it gives us purpose in life. And, And when we as human beings have purpose, that brings you joy. When you know where you're going... The gospel is true, then it says we should change the way we live our life, right? God invites us first into his family through salvation, and then he says, hey, now that you're part of the family, you're in the family business. As 2 Corinthians 5 tells us, Christ has made you his ambassador to the world, that you would help him reconcile the world to God so that they too can have a relationship with him. This means then that your life has a purpose. And having a reason to get up in the morning brings joy. (laughs) I can remember even when I worked uh, for Oakland Construction for for several years, even in college, even in parenting, right? Um, The gospel brings joy because it brings a purpose. No longer are you just going to work to do a job. Right? But you're going as an ambassador of Christ to reconcile those around you to God. You go and do your job well because it's part of how God uh, provides for you, and yet there's a greater purpose to what you're doing. The same thing if you're a parent. You don't just get up and parent your kids. God says, now you're part of my family, and it's up to you to begin to disciple these kids what it means to follow the Lord. There's great purpose there. 
You don't just go to college to have fun and have a great future career. You go there as an ambassador of Christ to show the world what it means to follow God. And so throughout our life, the gospel brings us purpose. Psalm 1611 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And we get to live that daily as we walk out our lives in relationship with the Lord. I like this because I think we see this laid out in Jesus' life. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says this about Jesus. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, here it is. Listen to this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Because he knew what God was doing through him, he had joy. And the same can be true for you with whatever God has called you to in life. Listen, another way the, the, the gospel, as we think back on the gospel, brings joy to our life is, is just the goodness that God has towards his children. You're adopted into his family as sons and daughters, and God is good to his children. God provides us with so many good things to enjoy, and, and these things we should let us bring real joy. Okay? These things are meant for us to enjoy, and yet they point us to the greater enjoyment, which is the provider of those things, God himself. One of the main reasons I came to Utah in 1996 was really spiritual, was come to the U and to climb and to ski. <laughs> okay? I enjoyed climbing, running, skiing, hiking with the family, fishing, just really being outside. And, you know, this summer, I was thinking back, this summer in particular, a few guys from Risen Life, we, we celebrated my 40th birthday, and we decided that we wanted to do 40 miles in the Uintas to celebrate such a thing. And so we did that in two days. First day, we did 27 miles, hiked up 7,000 feet, hiked up King's Peak, came back down to the river, set up camp, and we just had dumb grins on our face, right? There was so much joy. Now, some of you go, that sounds like hell to me, right? <laughs> but for us, it brought us great joy, right? We're just sitting around, dumb grins, eating our dinner, smiling, having a good time. That's God's goodness to us, right? That we get to enjoy things that we like, that he gives to us as a good father. James 1.17 tells us that all, every good and perfect gift is from God. When we get to experience those things, God wants us to return praise back to him and say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you're such a good father to us. 1 Timothy 6.17, he says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. It means whatever you have, whatever brings joy to your heart, 
It's, it's meant to be a good gift from God so that you return praises to God. So that you will have joy in Him and what He's done. Just the other day, uh, I experienced this again. Jason Benson, our children's pastor who, who lit our candle. Sometimes we have a dirty little pleasure and we like to go over to Crown Burger. Oh, Crown Burger. We got our jalapeno Swiss cheeseburger, large fry and a Coke. I'll tell you what, that's joy on a plate right there, okay? Now, wisdom says you can't do that often. However, occasionally it brings great joy to my heart to eat that cheeseburger at Crown Burger, right? And I say, thank you, God. Thank you for this cheeseburger. Thank you that I can enjoy this. We get to go through our day thanking God for all the things in the life experiences that we get to have. When we're thanking God for His goodness, we'll find joy. You know, I want to talk about the inverse of joy here a little bit. A real joy killer is the inverse of thanking God, which is complaining. A lot of us get in the habit of complaining about all the things that are going wrong in life. We're cynical about the day's events. But I'll just tell you, when you start complaining and you're cynical and you're not praising God for the good things He's given you, it just kills your joy. It just kills it. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16-18 tells us the remedy. It says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. And you'll keep your joy. God wants us to be in constant communication with Him about the hard things. Giving Him thanks for all the good things that come into our life. And as we keep focused on Him and what He did in Christ and His blessings that have come to us through Christ, we keep our joy. That leads us probably to the most important way we can get joy from remembering what Christ has done, and that is to abide in Jesus. John 15, 1-11, Jesus instructs us, abide in me, right? I'm the vine, you're the branches. you got to be rooted in me if you want to stay alive. you got to be rooted in me if you want to bear fruit. He asks us to abide in His love. He asks us to ask for things that we need to abide in Him. He asks us to follow in His commandments as a way to abide. And He says if we will do these things, guess what? You'll find joy. In fact, John 15, 11 says these, this at the end of all this that Jesus has said. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. And Psalm 21, 6 says, for you make Him most blessed Forever you make him glad with the joy of your presence. That when we abide, abide in Jesus by spending time in his word, spending time in his prayer, working at what it means to live out his commandments, Jesus promises you that you will have joy in the midst of whatever is going on in your life. It's nothing greater than hearing Something from God's Word, letting the Holy Spirit speak to us and then begin to put it into practice 
in our life and then see the good fruit that comes from the Word of God. I've really worked at two things this year that I felt like God was convicting me of. One is trying to love my children better. The other is serving my my wife better. The Word had convicted me of this. And guess what? When I do these things... And I abide in Jesus, and I work at these things. And, and though I fail, I failed last night at one of these. But guess what? When I begin to do these things, there's more joy in my family. And if there's more joy in my family, guess who gets more joy? I do, right? Psalm 119.11 says, Your testimonies are my heritage forever, for they are the joy of my heart. Let me challenge you this year. We're coming into a new year, and a new year is always a great place to really begin to set ourselves to be in the presence of Jesus because it's in His presence and walking with Him, abiding in Him that we're going to find joy. Let me challenge you this year to make a plan to get in His Word. Okay? It doesn't have to be every day. It doesn't have to be some crazy plan. It just needs to be regular and time set aside to spend time with Jesus. So real joy is first found in remembering what God has, has done for us and then enjoying the heck out of the things that He gives us and blesses us with in His presence. And now let's consider how joy comes from what we anticipate God will do. Part of Christianity is remembering what God has done, but part of it is looking forward to what He's going to do. In fact, Again, that's what Christmas, part of what Christmas is about. We're, we set aside this time to remember what God did coming in the baby Christ, right? And we anticipate that all month long so that we celebrate it. And yet the coming of Christ into our world gives us a picture of His second coming, which we now anticipate. And that gives us joy and strength in the midst of life. So let's look at the second half of Psalm 126 here, verses 4 through 6. It says, Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like streams in the Negev. Those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. He who goes out weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, bringing his sheaves with him. These first three verses of Psalm 126, the psalmist rejoices at what God has done, and he lets what God has done fuel his expectations of what God will do and how joy will come from that. The psalmist knows that there are promises of God that have yet to be fulfilled. Again, remember, this psalm is probably about the people of Israel coming back from exile. God had done great and amazing things to save them, to return them to the land, but God was not finished yet. The nation was still under others' rules. The promised Messiah had not yet come. The land was broken down when they got there. God still had work to do. And so the psalmist cries out, Lord, restore the fortunes of Israel like streams in the Negev. If you know where the Negev is, it's the desert region kind of south of Israel on your way down to Egypt and Sinai. And listen, 
This is not like our beautiful high deserts of Utah here with grass and sagebrush and junipers and some rain and snow. This is like rocks and dirt and hot. Okay. So the psalmist is asking God to do the impossible. Bring streams to this desert, Lord. Come like a flash flood. Bring that stream of water into the desert and restore the fortunes of Zion. Do the impossible. Some of us need God to do that this year in our lives even right now. You know God is good. You know He has promises to do good to His people, and yet you feel as if you're in a desert, alone, desperate for God to move. And the psalm teaches us that if you need God to move, He invites His people to cry out to Him to do the impossible. We serve a God that does the impossible. We cry out in faith because we know what He has done to save us and believe in His character and promises what He will do to save us. So maybe you have unsaved family members, friends that need Jesus. Cry out to the Lord. Maybe you need God to provide financially for your family this year. Cry out to the Lord. Maybe you need wisdom for some big decisions on, at work and with your family. Cry out to God. Maybe you need God to touch your own body and heal you. He says, look at what I've done in Christ, and you cry out to me and believe that I have the power to do it. And then we sit back, and we trust God to move, finding joy in the midst of the struggle. Because we're walking with a God who loves us, has done great things in our life, and has promised to do even greater things in the future. Now listen, okay? This isn't to say that when you get that outrageous medical bill for the two aspirin and the one minute and 45 seconds the doctor spent in the office with you that you go, yippee, right? Woohoo! in Kevin's language. That's not what we're talking about here. We're not saying, yay, I'm so happy about this, okay? Joy comes as we appeal to our God to take care of our needs and we trust Him to take care of our needs because of the certain hope that the gospel has given us. Then we can look at each situation that comes in our life say, look, here's another situation for God to do what God does. I'm stuck, but God can get me out of this. And not only that, but God will teach me to be more and more like Him as I grow in faith through this. In fact, this is one of the best promises of the gospel. And once you've given your life to Christ, even the bad, evil things that come into your life, and there will be bad, evil things that come into your life, will be used of God to sanctify you and grow you into the person God wants you to be. Romans 8.28 says, We know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good. And that's not just a cheesy verse they say on Caleb, right? In fact, the system of the world of good and evil and the gospel is just flipped over when you become a believer. I hope you see this. Good gets really good as we get to enjoy the giver of good, God, because we know Him. And bad even becomes good as we trust God to use it for our benefit and ultimately win in the end. 
We live in a fallen world, and listen, stuff is going to continue to come at you your whole life. Your body's going to fall apart, and we're going to die. In fact, Satan and his minions try to take they try to take joy from our life as they throw things at us and try to destroy us, every aspect of it, until you're dead. But here's the funny thing. Again, God has promised that all the bad stuff will actually grow you, sanctify you, and actually death then becomes the final promotion to your final salvation. Ah! This is why the Bible says, you keep your thoughts and your eyes on what God has done and what God will do, and you can find joy in the midst of your struggle. That's why the psalmist in 126, 5 and 6 says that you may sow tears, you may sow tears now, but you will reap shouts of joy when you bring in the bounty of God's harvest in your life. Bad things come into your life, and they are bad, and we do cry over them like Ecclesiastes says. There's a time to mourn. But if you will walk with the Lord through them, He will even use your tears to produce fruit in your life, and that means we can face all that life has with an inner joy that says, these things will be okay, and ultimately they will be for my good, and God will completely redeem everything. You know, the medical bills can be bad news, but God can use it to cause you to cry out to Him, to learn to depend on Him more in faith, maybe even take care of it in, the, in amazing ways. And in, in, in the last five years, me and Amy have had some medical bills that we thought, there is no way we can, we can pay these, right? And my initial response to these is always, I moan and I complain, and I get down in the mouth, and we don't have any money, and I don't know what we're going to do. And I start praying. And God just does some amazing things, right? And every time, every one of them, I can tell you, every bill we've had has been taken care of. Somehow God provides. Not once, not twice, every time. That's what God does for us. So now when I get one of those, I've been sanctified a little bit so I don't complain quite as much, right? I go to prayer a little quicker. And I even have a little spark in my heart that says, okay, God, what are you going to do this time? How are you going to take care of this this time? Right? It starts to bring me joy to see how God works. Now, listen, taking joy in all things disturbs the Eeyores of us in the room. Sometimes we just want to be sad. And if you know me, it's probably actually funny that I'm talking about joy. My wife is laughing. Not necessarily the most joyous fellow in the world. Sometimes we just want to be sad, and yet the gospel's so good it won't let you stay there. Because as we look at what God has done, and we start thinking about what He's going to do, and then you kind of look silly when you still walk around as Eeyore. Right? It's the beauty of the gospel that our hope in Christ leads us to joy. Now, as we come close to the end here, I want, I want us to look at one other passage. If you'll turn over to 1 Peter 
3 through 9, and I think this passage just really puts it together for us. We hear it in a New Testament context, and it shows all these aspects that we've been talking about. First Peter, we see Peter remembering what God has done and what he will do, and then he says, this is all so that we can have joy right here, right now, right in the midst of life. Okay, Here's what it says, First Peter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Okay, there it is. Peter's recounting, this is what God has done for us. He's caused us to be born again to a living hope. Okay, and then he continues. Look at verse 4. He says, to an, we've been born again now to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Okay, there it is. That's what's coming. Okay? He's finding joy in what God will do in the future, the inheritance He does have for you that is coming. And most of us, I don't think most of us as Christians spend enough time looking forward to what God is going to do, right? God has done great things to bring us in His family through Christ. But in the midst of everyday life, we're called throughout the New Testament to look forward to what He's going to do. We are saved, and yet we look forward to the final day of salvation when our sin nature is actually stripped from us and everything is made right in the world. Don't spend far enough time thinking about that. But as we do, it brings us joy in the meantime. So look at what Peter continues to say here in verse 6. He says, look, in this you rejoice. That's what God has done and what He's got reserved for you in the future. In this we rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, though it perishes, is tested by fire, may be found to the result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible, filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That means as you keep your eyes on Jesus, what He's done and what He's going to do in the midst of this life, Peter says you can have joy and you will obtain the salvation of your souls. I heard a quote on the radio the other day. Um, that once we're in heaven, in the new heavens and new earth with God, this life will just seem like one night in a bad hotel. I think that's true. It'll be so eclipsed by the glory of heaven and what God is going to do, this life will just seem like a small blip on the screen. Second Corinthians 4, 17 and 8 calls the troubles of this life light and momentary affliction because of the good things that are coming in a very short amount of time. And band, you can come on up. So listen, we are on a journey, and we're going to a really good place. And Peter and the psalmist are telling us to take joy in the journey. God has done good things and has promised even far greater things for those that proclaim Christ. 
So in the midst of our daily struggles, in the midst of the big tragedies that come into our life, we're to set our minds on what lies ahead and says, this isn't all of it, but there's something far better coming. Our anticipation of what God is going to do will bring us joy. Gospel promises that there are always better days ahead for believers in Jesus. Listen, it's going to be really good. I want to read this as we come, come to a close here. This is Revelation 21, 1 through 4. This is what it describes where we're going. It says, Then I saw the new heaven and the new earth, for the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from our eyes, and the earth shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Be a really good day when Christ returns and he ushers in the new Jerusalem. And I don't want you to miss out. Now listen, a lot of you here today that need to find joy. You spent far too long looking down at the dust, kicking your shoes together, complaining about life. And the Christmas season is about God entering into our world bringing us hope and peace and love and joy in His Son. And joy starts with confessing Jesus as Lord. So if you don't know Christ as Lord today, then come and ask us. We would be happy to tell you how you can become a believer in Jesus and live out your life in the presence of the Father. And yet Jesus being born in a manger to help us look forward to and anticipate Christ's return. And as we look forward to that day, it gives us joy in the midst of today's tears. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness to us, Father. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your son that came and died for us, and thank you that you have great things planned for us in Christ. May we take joy in our salvation today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. From mountains edge to the valley low When the rivers wide and the sea billows roll From your perfect bread I cannot escape you ever with me. I'll trust your name.
perfect presence I cannot escape You're ever with me I trust your name Emmanuel God with us In day or darkness Lord I hear you God with us I need you Jesus so draw me near circumstances of life. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6.10, sorrowful though always rejoicing because God is with me, right? Last night after the concert about 9.30 at night, I said to my wife, can we just go to Crown Burger? I just want one of those. <laughs> and she, she let me indulge, you know, a 10 o'clock night isn't really usually our wife's favorite thing, but she indulged with me and it was so good. And we rejoice in those things because God is even with us in those little pleasures that he gives us all our days. If you are battling for joy, right, let's, let's ask God. Let's cry out to him in the middle of these challenges of life. Let us help you. We've got prayer people around the worship center. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Help you know and find God's presence in the middle of what you are going through. Now, it is the Christmas season. There's lots going on in our church. So let me just highlight a couple of things. One is, is that there is a missions team meeting today at 1230 following the second service. All of you who are going on a missions trip with us this year, and there's lots of you. I'm really excited about this, as is Pastor Jared and Pastor Sean. Um, but if you also are interested in participating or just thinking we're going to a few different places this year, come and be a part of that meeting today at 1230. We'll serve you lunch. It should be a good time. I want to remind you that Christmas Eve is coming here. We've had some really fun times this weekend celebrating Christmas and our concerts the last couple nights. But we have a Christmas Eve service planned for you at 6 o'clock on Christmas Eve. Hope you can come, enjoy a candlelight service, just worship Christ. It's a good way to set the tone for that night and the next day, 6 o'clock. I uh, also want to remind you that next week, people have asked this question, there are two services next week. Okay? Both this service and the second hour will be here the next week. But the following week on the 30th, 
between New Year's and Christmas, there's just one, right? Just the second hour on the 30th. So take note of that. And then we want to introduce a new person uh, in our congregation here, Edison Green Owens. This is Ian and Heidi Scott's grandson and the child of Colby and Becky Owens. And we want to say congratulations uh, to them. God is so good to us. And uh, that is something to rejoice over is the birth of new children that God adds to our family. So, okay, let's go. Let's go on mission now. As Jared said, we're ambassadors for Christ. Let's be on mission for him. Let's uh, encourage one another. See how you can pray for somebody before you leave here this morning. And let's be a blessing to our friends and neighbors. Let's bring a little joy to them by being kind and thoughtful to them. And maybe speak a word of the gospel to their lives this holiday season. It's been good to be together. Have a great week.
lost and weary traveler searching for the way to go stranger heavy hearted longing for someone you Searching everywhere you go, stranger, who are searching, longing deeply to be known. May you find.
Christmas time, there is hope tonight. Christmas time, our hearts are open wide. Christmas time, bring us peace tonight. Christmas time, we thank you for your light. Bells ring. Christmas time, stars shine bright. Christmas time, the angels sing on high. Christmas time, holy night. Christmas time, our King is born this night. Bells ring. Is here tonight. No, no, no.